It's everyone's favorite show about all things Utah. A show where four hosts, and sometimes a guest, discuss whatever they want regarding Utah, and mostly stay on topic. It's the new Utah Podcast, with your hosts, Bree, Chris, Jeremy, and Jessica. Episode 224, take three. Take three, third take time's three the charm. to see if this thing continues to record. I don't know why the fuck it stopped. Like, it was just fine, and then as soon as I said episode 224, it was like, nope, we're done. We're out. Dun, dun, it's dun. 2020. It's throwing everything it at us. It, well, today, it's throwing fucking trees over. It's throwing semi-trucks on their side. It's throwing snow in Denver. Fences are down. That's it's true. My Jeremy was, has three yards and three new and two new yeah, dogs he didn't know like about. It's like a big party at my house. Exploding transformers, taking people's power down all over the Wasatch Front. <laughs> Maya said that they categorized it as level two hurricane winds up at the U today, 110 mile an hour winds. Yeah, I was going to say it was like 99 plus, uh, which is hurricane force winds, which interestingly enough is shit compared to a tornado. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Tornadoes are like 200 plus miles an hour. So you fucking bitches with your hurricanes can just get over yourself. <laughs> well, a hurricane usually involves water is the problem. Yeah. And cows. But, and but, it would be an F1 tornado that if would, it was a tornado. That was... That was that was a tornado, not a hurricane. I showed I showed Maya that clip because she's never seen Twister. Yeah, but what kind but of parent that's are a you? Tornado. Yeah, that's a good show. That's a tornado. Well, that's debatable. So, that's a tornado, not a hurricane. Because she was showing me clips of like up by the U and stuff like that. So I found that little clip of the cow flying by and showed that to her. And she's like, "Where was that?" <laughs> God damn. Uh, yeah. So an F uh, F zero is up to seventy two. Yeah. So it would have been a one. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. The one is up to 112, yeah. So, so, so Evo's sitting out there chewing on his bone, and I'm getting ready to come to the podcast, actually, and Jonathan's like, why, why is the neighbor's dog on our deck? And I look out in Persia, the neighbor's dog is sitting there licking Evo's bone, so they're both licking the bone, and I'm like, what? So I kind of go out front to see if the gate's closed. And Jonathan's like, now Charlie's out there, too. And I go look at a, a, another neighbor's dog. So all three of them are out there. At least they're playing nicely. But they're all licking the bone. So I, I go out in the backyard, and the other two dogs run off. And I kind of follow them, thinking the gate's open. Nope, the whole fence is down. And I look through the hole in the fence, and the fence on the other side of my neighbor's is down. So, yeah, we've got three yards connected so all the dogs can play now. To be fair, the significant tornado, which is an F2, which starts at 113, I'm reading Fujita scale shit now, uh, has considerable damage. Roofs are torn off frame houses, mobile homes are demolished, boxcars are pushed over, large trees snapped or uprooted, which is a lot of what we've seen today here, mm-hmm. uh, and light object missiles generated. So, like, it picks up... Like trampolines. Fucking everything. Did you see that it. roof, that low, that low slip, uh, slope roof, kind of up in the sugar house area that... that that clip of it, it came off. Oh, I thought that was downtown. I thought it was more Sugar House, but it could have been. But you saw it, though, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the somewhat flat roof. Yes. <gasps> also, an F6, which I didn't know existed, 319 to 379 mile per hour winds. That's like oh, that's like 200 miles an hour away from an airplane speed. <laughs> that is known as an inconceivable tornado. I just want to throw that out there. Inconceivable. <laughs> I do not think Oh, <laughs> well, so our friend of the show, actually lots of them, uh, Kelly, he, a tree fell on his car and, uh, his backyard and, uh, Trina, she had to park down the street cause she couldn't get in her road Wow! and her neighbor had a pine tree fall on their house and across the street there was a tree 
on her neighbor's house. <laughs> uh, so I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of the rest of the list of, of people. My friend's sister lost her gate. Yeah, it's- but not, I mean, not as significant. And I mean, there were some videos out there today that the huge cottonwood that fell in Liberty Park was mind blowing. Uh, there was a huge pine tree up in Mill Creek that a car was driving under as it was falling and it barely made it out. Like it was unreal and yeah. super lucky, but the trees with the crappy soil, that's not good. That's not good. Well, and it's a lot of old trees. Eight trees went down up at the Capitol, you know, and I don't live in an area that has trees, so it doesn't matter, but I barely had any wind this morning. I had a little bit of rain. So the, the one, the one good thing about uh, all the crazy storm is we Wyoming. Clear air. <laughs> well, we have yeah. clear air. So Utah was like uh, I was reading a story the other day. I think on Monday, number four in the world. In the world. Uh, the first in the U.S., which surprised me because we were in Denver this weekend moving Cass, and the air outside of Denver. Well, Denver was like sixth or seventh in the world, so they weren't mm. much better. Uh, but Denver air, like it was, it was just gloomy all day Sunday. Because of the smoke. When we drove there, there was a massive couple of fires in Wyoming we drove past, and then a really big one, like basically between Fort Collins and Denver, that was just producing so much smoke. But we could see the actual fire from the road in broad daylight in Wyoming. Like, it was getting pretty close to to I-80. But because Denver and Wyoming got a lot of moisture with this storm, they actually got the cold Arctic air with Mm -hmm. snow. Um, I, I think, which is why we're getting these winds because it's pushing over Wyoming and yeah, it's it's this big Arctic air pocket that's pushing down. And the heat on our side is like it's like a fight. Yeah, that's how tornadoes form. By the yeah. way, I'm actually really surprised we didn't get a tornado. Yeah, but what what I was reading on I think it was on Fox a little bit earlier today. The the damage is actually worse than 2011. Yeah, so it's it's pretty. It's pretty surreal. Like, I mean, just, I know I mentioned Liberty Park, but looking at how many trees in that park were ripped up, it's going to take a lot of time to get all of that cleaned up. Old trees, hundred year old trees, so big. Yeah. That'd be like trees in Pioneer Park getting pulled up. Some of those. They have. They were actually. There were pictures of them. Any of the shitting trees? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You've never pointed that out. Is that on the southwest southwest corner? There's there's a few. So there's the one that's right where the center where all the food trucks are. Okay. That that big tree that's right in the middle of that. Okay. That's a shitting tree. I have seen human excrement on that tree. The growler trees. Yes, they are growler trees. And then there's one on the um, west side of the park, about halfway in. Right before you get to like the like the sandbox and basketball court stuff, there's also a tree there that I have seen human shit on. I clearly don't walk on the edge of the park. <laughs> well, and it's usually because we end up like standing there talking to someone and like it never fails if I'm talking to someone and tell them about people shitting on these trees. Like I was explaining it to John and Jody when they were the thing with us. I'm like, always I fucking see shit on these trees. Like clearly people poop up against these things. And they're like, what are you talking? And like, I turn around and the tree that I'm standing next to, there's a pile of shit at the base of it. And if you like, just draw your eyes up to basically where squatting level would be, you can see where the shit has literally hit the tree and <laughs> rolled down. And it never fails. So yes, um, maybe the shitting trees are gone now. I don't know. It is. It's pretty wild. But yeah, a lot of damage today. Hopefully that will help with some of the fires. Um, not here. I'm pretty sure that's just going to fucking make the fires that caused evacuations yesterday here worse. So there was that gender reveal 
fire. Did you see that? That was in California. Fucking yeah. idiots <laughs> in a gender reveal. That party. actually was part of the reason why the air was so bad here this weekend. Um, California fires. Yeah. So it was it's it was a weird juxtaposition because those the fires started on Monday down in um in Hobble Creek. There actually was two. There was one in Santa Queen Canyon and one up Hobble Creek. And like we I think the wind started at like seven o'clock this morning when I left. I don't know what it was like the rest of the day, but almost nothing compared to Salt Lake. So yeah, cause I don't it know. Started, I'm like fires down in Utah County and hurricanes up in Salt, Salt Lake. Cause Salt Lake started Davis. last night. It was like what about eight o'clock last night? Yeah. And, and the fire and the wind just picked up really? out of, like all of a sudden out of nowhere, yeah. uh, picked up and we're like, okay, I guess barbecue's over and let's go home and enjoy the evening. Cause like shit was getting blown over real yeah. fast. We got home and it was crazy all night. And then this morning I woke up and it was like the fucking trees were like just blowing their asses off. But we didn't get anything out west compared to Salt Lake oh, yeah. and like Layton. And we, I mean, we got wind, but even we didn't get it nearly as much as you guys did. Murray, Salt Lake City, like Central Valley got it real bad. We just always get more wind. Yeah. We're not as protected over here. But anyway, that's enough about the weather. We're old fucking people talking about the weather. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it's significant. It's pretty significant. 180,000 people today without power in the 100, States. Yeah, 112 that's, mile an hour winds is a pretty big deal. And they're actually saying that a huge chunk of people probably won't have power for, for two days. To three days. And there's supposed to be another wave tonight of wind, so. Yeehaw! You ready for our walk tomorrow, Bree? I'm shaking her head. Yeah, she's got a massive headache right now. The dog's yakking on my foot. He's not yakking, dude. It's his, it's his busted <laughs> trachea. Uh, it's like the dog in grown-ups. Jess, I see, I see you threw an event on here. Yeah, Chris, I also saw I, that you're going to move to Bear Lake. I am. I, you don't ever say anything. I don't know that you see this stuff. Yeah, so I don't, my friend I, I don't and I... don't respond on that kind of shit. Um, my friend and I have been looking at places, and I actually found one, but it's on the south side. South side. Um just like a trailer for like $79,000. Dude, that's funny. I know. I know. I and told it's you nice. I, it's like remodeled. I told you I'd draw the plans for you. Bree's Bree's friend from work that just retired, she has basically a trailer and it's over by the Idaho. Well, it's actually like right in the heart of Garden City, right on the lake there. It's not a trailer. It's a house, but it's not insulated and it's just one room, but it's the cutest little damn it, thing. And it is basically like a trailer that's been kind of foundation. Well, the one I found is 11 rooms and it's $3 million. <laughs> It's yeah. a 13, Why don't you get more reasonable? The cool, well, I we were just so, looking at what was there. If you got <laughs> but that's 11, what I posted. <laughs> if you got an eleven room, three million dollar home, I can create my own town well, in you, that house. You just VRBO it, <laughs> yeah, and and you just decide oh, what weekends you want to go up, and you VRBO it. The rest that is of the a summer. thirteen thousand dollar a month mortgage payment. That's a really expensive job. VRBO. But dude, is the coolest house ever, and it's just. It's just on the north side of Fishhaven. Like, we didn't know it was there because we usually turn up Fishhaven Canyon, but it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The property that my friend has for her cabin, there is one for sale in that. It's like a gated community. And we were looking at it and it's $600,000 for one bedroom because it's on the so lake stupid yeah but they, if it's on the lake that's a big deal i would i have seen that lake rise and fall the last few years and i don't know if i would want a lakefront property like that if it rose too much it would be toast i'd rather have the view i think so anyway there was a there's an event yeah 
There is an event. I, the I, state freaking fair. Well, no, I saw the other one first. I didn't the, put that on I there. added the Riverton one because I'm a business owner in Riverton, so I get, I get the, the Riverton Commerce News. I just thought it was really cool. So around Riverton, they've put up, I, I can't, I, I don't even know, five, six thousand flags in key, key spots throughout Riverton. Uh, and it's, it's Riverton Remembers 9-11 is the name of So, but, but let me ask you this. Yes. Is anyone going to know what that's for that didn't get that business thing? Well, they will because they've, they've got banners throughout and then it went out in this month's, uh, mailer for the, for the bills. But they're doing a car show parade. So, but let me ask this other question and I wish we had Trent so I could ask him, but why? I think it, I think they've had it in the works for a long time. But I, I just don't understand why. Like, I, I get that we don't want to forget the events of 9-11, but why you develop, like, this festival around it? Like, that seems, I, I don't know. That's a good trend question. That's, it's weird to me. Like, I don't, I don't understand why you commercialize a remembrance like that. Like, I fucking hate that there's Memorial Day sales. I think that's crazy and stupid because Memorial Day is all about, you know, memorializing people and not mattresses and, and deeds, not fucking. Yeah. mattresses, <laughs> Right. Like, I don't care about Labor Day. You can you can fucking, you know, commercialize the shit out of Labor Day. But I, so I just don't. It's weird to me to be like, oh, we're going to hold celebrations and car shows and fireworks to remember the people who died on 9-11. It's just weird. It's weird to me. Let's explode some stuff so that we can remember all the people that exploded. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll have a cool firework that like launches into the side of a building. Is that too far? Is that too <laughs> Justice, Justice going to fucking stab I wasn't, me. I wasn't listening. Sorry. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably a good thing because you were in Jersey when 9-11 happened, weren't you? I was. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I said fireworks are dumb to memorialize things that were exploding and killing people. And then I said maybe they'll have a firework run into the side of a building. Maybe. They had a firework show up at Bear Lake this weekend with a big concert. And I was like, <laughs> my friend wanted to go, and I was like, It's like the BYU kids. You can't kids. go. I'm not going, but they you can go. Don't give a fuck. You know what was refreshing in Colorado? No everybody. one complaining about a fucking mask. And everybody wore Anywhere. Masks. They all wore them. They wore them into things that, like, the fucking, they were, it was amazing. It was great. No one People were wearing them getting gas. They were wearing them properly. Yep. I very rarely saw anybody that wasn't. Don was one of them because his doesn't fit him right for whatever reason. It was driving And he looks like one of those jackasses that wears it below his nose. Because it falls off his face. Like, I, it was it was actually kind of refreshing. I'm sorry, Utah. Yes. Denver's better than you in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> Not a shocker. Uh, okay, so the state fair is pseudo happening. I, yeah, I was a little bit surprised when I was driving up to Bear Lake on Friday to see a billboard for the state fair with dates on it. And I was going to text you, but I knew you were traveling. And I was like... What? <laughs> yeah, and it, so, so I did so, a little bit of re- research. And I... So it goes for the normal 10 days and they're rebranding. It's called a September to remember <laughs> and it will, it's, it's a reimagined scaled down version of the Utah State Fair, uh, highlighting agriculture roots, food, fun and, and animals. Uh, basically it's like that they're still having the rodeo. They're still having the derby, like the monster truck show, yeah. <laughs> the day so, of reckoning, <laughs> demolition derby. So I don't know if the, like there's not the little corn and cow mascots cute. Are they still having the carnival oh, too? Oh, rat! 
I think they're still having the fucking carnival. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I assume so. The the like the concerts have been canceled. They're not doing like their normal concerts yeah, that they what do. What do they think is going to happen? Like, okay, look, <laughs> I saw a video <laughs> of inside of Universal Studios right now. Like, what the fuck, man? There's it's wall to wall people still. Is that and like half of them are fucking wearing their masks. The other half are not. I will say Laguna's gotten it right because when we went to Lagoon, it was spot on. Like properly distanced i didn't at any point feel like i felt worse uh probably uh at the well definitely at the graduation than i did at lagoon also flying is fucking weird oh yeah how was that F- the flight i mean it's a short flight right wearing your mask the entire time you were in the airport and on your flight is really annoying. Do they still give you peanuts and a drink? Or? They, yep. they give you a snack pack in an individually sealed baggie. When you walk onto the plane, they hand you a, a hand sanitizing wipe. Um, they're misting down the whole plane. They are all of their middle seats are left open unless you're um, traveling in a group. Traveling in a group, and they actually position seats well, so you could be in the middle seat with no one on either side oh, of you. Right. But like the three of us flying together, we sat in the same row together, which was fine. Um, but really. The, the whole airport experience was incredibly weird and subdued. Almost all the stores were closed. Um, there weren't a lot of people, which is weird. Which is good because my pre-check got taken off my ticket and I was pissed and they just let me through. Because I thought there she was going to fucking murder someone when she got done. Well, you went through all that mess to get it. That was the I've whole used point. it before. Yeah. This I, isn't the first time. And it was on there. Well, the you morning. got it for Seattle last year. Right. right? Well, and I, I, well, it wasn't for Seattle. It was when we knew we were going to start traveling more but i i opened my ticket up the day that we were flying out on sunday and chris was like just check and make sure i checked us in make sure you have your ticket so i was like okay so i open it up show it to him i'm like yep he's like make sure it has the pre-check on it and i was like oh hold on because it hadn't loaded the qr code yet and as soon as it popped up i was like oh yeah there it is right there i showed it to him and he was like oh yeah that looks great i opened it up at the airport didn't even look because i'd already looked at it and i put on the thing she's like um, you're not in pre-check. You can go up to Delta and talk to him about it. Or she's like, the lines aren't very long. So I just, they just let me go. Like right through they just opened all of the little things for me. And I just walked over to the thing, but it pissed me off. Cause I had to take out my fluids. I had to take off my shoes. I had to all things that you don't she have to do. To do what normal people do. And it <laughs> made me mad. I was so mad. So, um, but that's all to say that I think the fair is probably a little crazy of an idea. I guess I like the idea of having the state fair because your farmers and shit. It's a like, great fair. Well, it's a big, <laughs> it's, it is an awesome fair. Uh, our state fair is a great state fair. How do you ruin that by saying it's an awesome fair? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. The, it's a song. The, the musical state fair. I still remember <laughs> we talked about dead air and like I still you guys are you guys are fucking me over here because I still have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be weird to have people there. I do like the idea of having it because I think um, it's I, I think it's important for the the farmers and stuff to have that because it really is a place for them to showcase what awesomeness they are. So. No, you're not. I'm not. <laughs> it's not helping at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I do love the state fair. I don't think I'll go to it because I think that's going to be a little 
that's the type of activity that I don't need to go to. Well, personally. and I, I hate to say it, but the the folks that are going to go to it, the the country folk that are bringing in I've their been livestock in Cedar and City, stuff, they don't wear masks. They're not going to. Yeah. In fact, when we were, where were we when I? We were in. Cedar Just City. for the record, it is required. Yeah, but they don't wear masks. But when we, I can't remember where we were, but we were in one of the stops, like we were in a Maverick or something. I went in to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, we were in I, Laramie, Wyoming. Oh yeah, we were in Wyoming. That would explain it. We were in Wyoming, not Colorado. So I come out, and the girl's like, "You can tell who the locals are and who the people who are traveling are because." <laughs> As locals, we just don't wear masks. Because as locals, it's okay. And all, all what, I can think is idiot? like, you live in Laramie, Wyoming, bitch. Like, if you get COVID, <laughs> if you have a COVID outbreak here, you guys are fucked. Yeah, you damn. don't have good hospitals here. Like, this is the place you don't want to have COVID. Uh, anyway. Um, so, um, I guess good news, the fair's on. Um, so this week we're talking to uh, a local creator. I mean, J.C. Carter is the guy that we're going to talk to here in a little bit, uh, and he does uh, a, a couple podcasts, and he does or did theater. Um, he writes comics. Um, he's been involved in some comic books. He's writing his own comic book, and I thought it would be a little fun to talk about um, comics um, because there are surprisingly a lot of Utah comic books and authors, um, and it's something you don't necessarily think about with Utah, but it is something that's really cool. Oh, I meant to grab them. You guys talk about something, and I'm going to go grab the comics, because I don't think you guys have all seen them all. Didn't we talk about the Squirrel Girl comic? I'm, yeah, because this article came out in 2018. Sh- right. And... Yeah. You can't talk off... You can't, you can't talk off microphone, and then Jeremy can't go, yeah. We interviewed uh, the, the guys who are helping her with it. And That's they were, right. They were getting ready to do a, a Kickstarter, and it was this was... Boy, this was probably one of our first 10 episodes, maybe 10 to 15 episodes, something like that. Uh, but what was, what was what was the name of her comic book? Sugar it's, Glider. It's Sugar Glider. It's Sugar right Glider. That's the right. Name of the... oh, oh, look at all those comic books. Thanks, Chris. Hey, look at those. Those look familiar. Anyway, she was 12 at the time. At the time, she and that was 2018. So. She is all of 14 now, and she it's a comic book about a, a teenage girl who gets her superpower from from a meteor shower. So, and so, <laughs> instead of, I love, I love the description of it. Instead of fighting them and putting them in jail, she gets to help them with whatever they're going through. So, she had experienced some bullying and had just decided to to write these comic books, so... So yeah, kind of cool. And like I said, I don't. I tried to find the episode where we talked to those guys. Um, I couldn't find it. Um, so, but um, besides besides her, there's some other comic books. So um, JC has been involved in Salt City Strangers, but so is Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, did you help write some of the original Salt City Strangers issues? First three. And I think those are actually the ones that I brought yep. out. Yes, they are. Uh, I've also got the goal and um, the golden spike issue. Yeah, those were offshoots. The offshoots that that were done. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, isn't the Den Mother story in the goal? So the Den, it? it's the Den Mother was written as its own offshoot, but I don't know if it's ever actually been taken all the way to print. But. They do talk about it in the goal, but uh, that was the one that JC wrote is the entire Den Mother episode. Yeah, and that's a, I mean, so that's a, that's a local 
troop, including our own Jeremy, that mm-hmm. that does it. Um, another local comic um, is the Super Comic. Um, that's done by some guys here locally. Um, I think um, J Crow Comics is the name of the group, but I think they're tied in with, um, like I think Black uh, Black Cat um, helps them do some of their stuff. Um, but that's a cool little local comic. Um, there was an article I found with Chad, and actually I had some of the comics already that they talked about. Um, uh, there's an ad in this um, Salt City Strangers for the Left show. Hmm, imagine hold, that. And for hold 322. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> and see, that tells you how dated that is. That's, that's that before is. hold 322 had moved to the world's greatest comic book podcast. So a few others to, to be aware of. There's a comic called Jetters, uh, which is a, a local comic. Um, and that's about jet, jetpack people. Um, there's Legionnaire, uh, which is a, I don't remember what that one's about. I haven't read it. It's a post-apocalyptic story. Um, the guy kind of looks like Archer. There's Cooties, <laughs> which actually Cooties, I've I've read some pages out of Cooties, and I thought it was really cute. Um, it's very kid-friendly comic. Uh, and then my, honestly, one of my favorite local comics. <laughs> we have these buttons upstairs. <laughs> is Well, I have the comics right here. Is, I know. Is uh, Food Hates You. Food Hates You. <laughs> it is a great comic book here. I'll just pass these out so you guys can see some of them. Uh, but Food Hates You is um, basically about, uh, it's like food is people, um, but they, <laughs> they get eaten. <laughs> so, it's it's panels about... That's a very angry donut. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up, right? Because like... Still going through the digestive tract. <laughs> yeah, because we eat food. And so, they're like, in. it's like they're processed through us. <laughs> it's like really fucked up. But... <laughs> They're great. That's the funny. the stories are fantastic. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I have a bunch of their stuff. I think I have like six or seven of them. Um, but uh, those those are all some good local Utah comics. Um, I've picked up almost all of them actually at um, uh, Comic Cons uh, throughout the years. Talking just talking to the local artists and and uh, trying to support them by buying directly from them. Uh, is a really good way. Kickstarter is a good way to find them as well as they're trying to get their their products off the ground. And then there's Chad Harden. Yeah, and and he's not the only local artist, but he's probably the most famous. Chad Harden is a uh, writes Harley Quinn. Well, he doesn't write it; he draws Harley Quinn um, for DC. Uh, and he's also a professor at UVU. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's what he does for a living: is <laughs> illustrate comic book. Uh, and he he uh, he did some stuff, some really cool stuff back in the day. Uh, when Jeff Weiss died, he did a kind of a memorial page in one of the Harley Quinn comics uh, to Jeff Weiss, which was really cool. Um, so, uh, just did some, he, he did one for Jimmy too, didn't he? Uh, did I think he so. add on to it? Uh, I'm not sure, um, but I think he did some stuff for Jimmy too. Um, but it's just it's kind of cool that. Uh, you know, we have some, some local talent in this space. Um, and these are good, these are really good comics. I'm, I'm a big fan, uh, of most of them. And there's more. Um, those are just the ones that, that I have and I, I know about and I think are, are worth talking about. So, um, one other thing to talk about before we get to the guest is, is a previous guest that we had on. Um, Tom Milligan and his, uh, our divorce site is up and running now. So exciting. Um, it's, uh, a week live, right? 
Uh, yeah, it's been on since the first of September. So we, did, I don't think we talked about it last week, um, but we'll we'll give him a, a little bit of a mention here. Um, he <laughs> he was talking to me. So find out afterwards that uh, our buddy John Hughes. Mm-hmm. Is a good friend of Tom's. That's funny. He sends me a message last week. He's like, Hey, uh, you guys are going to have my buddy Tom on your podcast. And he sent me a picture from his Facebook, which was our thank you card and the button that we send out with a thank you card <laughs> and the sticker. And I'm like, No, dude, we already had him on the podcast. <laughs> like, he's like, Oh, he's so awesome. He's like, <laughs> We just send out pre thank you cards. <laughs> he's like, he told me, he's like, as soon as, I can't remember the name of his last wife, but he's like, as soon as they split up, he's like. Tiffany or Stephanie yeah, t- or something? maybe it was Tiffany. He's like, he just basically quit his job to pursue this passion of opening this thing and doing it. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, he's pretty passionate. Like, um, but looking at like their Facebook, they're already getting like nasty comments from people and like people that don't understand. Like someone posted a comment that was something to the effect of like, uh, you've, if you put, you know, all this energy into a marriage, why would you, why would you want to spend three hours, just three hours to dissolve it or something like that? Why wouldn't you put that three hours into trying to save it? Which we, we talked about this on the show with him yeah. a couple of weeks ago, right? <laughs> like work that way. when people are ready for a divorce, people change, they're ready for a divorce. Sometimes you got to move on. Yeah. It's not always, it's not always the end of the world. And, and I think they actually on their website, if you go to ourdivorce.com, it actually has a whole bunch of stuff on it that says, like, hey, we encourage you to go get counseling and to try and right. work it out. Cause that's not the, that's not what people want. Like, normal people don't want to just get divorced. They want to work things out. But you do get to a point where you're like, okay. And it's good to have options. I want to, okay, so now we both agree. Yeah. We're not going to work this out. We need to have a divorce. Um, how do we not spend, how much did he say? Like 12 grand? Ten, I think it was like 10 or 12,000. Yeah. How do we not yeah. spend 12 grand of our money that we've worked, earned together to pay lawyers when we agree on what we want? Yeah. Done? Yeah. And so that's what our divorce.com uh, is all about is, it's just saving. Listen, money. you know, you made it if you already have haters. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> do you expect much different though with those sweet, awesome billboards? You're those right. Awesome. There, I'm, I need to start. Keeping my eyes out for the ones down in Utah. I was County, trying to figure I out which I know, one it was. I think I know the area that he put it in. So when we drove back up from Cedar, we were trying to figure out which of the electronic billboards in American Fork it was. It's those Utah I think, it's, people I think it's on the southwest corner of I-15. Yeah, there's only Lehigh. there's only like three or four of them mm-hmm. in that chunk of of road that are the electronic ones. Yep. So. But anyway, just thought I'd I'd mention him because I was seeing some of those comments already on their Facebook, and I thought it was a uh, thought it was interesting. Well, and. <laughs> Like when I got divorced, I know Jeremy's was a little different, but when I got divorced, I mean, my, my ex and I just ended up doing it together and he wasted a ton of money. So the well, time, the did. money, the animosity <laughs> that you build up when you, when you're fighting for months or whatever is just, it's just not worth it. If you can get it a lot, get along amicably so that your kids can, you know, continue to have two functioning parents, that's far superior for me. All right, we are joined this week with uh, by J.C. Carter, uh, a porn star. Apparently, yeah, yeah. I just found out <laughs> black porn star. Yes, 
That is, uh, we're just going to leave it at that. Yeah, we'll just continue leave it with there. everything else you do and people can decide if, uh, no, JC, uh, it's a, it's a three truths and a lie thing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to decide if that was the lie <laughs> or was the thing you just said the lie. Exactly. Uh, JC's, uh, JC's been around the podcast world for a while. Uh, it's been around the block. He's been around, been around the block. The block. He's a long time now. Gotta keep going with it. That's one, that's one of his movies. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, going around the block. <laughs> and, and amazingly, it's a block full of single women. Yeah, like there are no dudes on the rest of the block. It's an it's an awesome block. Yeah, yeah. it's like twenty neighbors. They're all the girl next door, and always happy to see me. Yeah. <laughs> Willing oh. to give you some sugar. Can you fix my plumbing? <laughs> Every one of them. It's it's just it's an astounding movie. <laughs> we kept the plot simple. There we just is, wanted to get right to the action. Is there sequences. any twist at the end? Any plot twist at the end? Oh, uh, the last guy's a dude. Yeah, oh. the last one's a dude. Yeah. <laughs> no one gets to the end of pornos though. So you're saying? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you got to be really into the story if you're going to get to the end. Pull an orgasmo yeah. at the end. Stunt cock. That's going old school. Yeah, there you go. That's such a good show. Uh, JC's been around the block. Uh, he's you've done a ton in local theater here in Salt Lake. Uh, you've written a bunch of things. Some things that probably no one cares about, but plenty other, of things nobody cares about. Other things, yeah. lots of people care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's let's start back, JC, uh, at the beginning. The first question we ask every guest is, um, "What month were you born in?" I was born in August, November. Yeah, Thanksgiving, yeah, so Thanksgiving baby. baby. A little hmm. too much wine and turkey, your parents. I said August, not November. Yeah, that's you were conceived, conceived in November. Oh, I was conceived in November. Yes. Yeah. We are, no one Actually, thinks about the no- month of their conception. That's why we like to. Start I think with... I was an early birthday present. Oh, for my dad. Oh. There you go. Because yep, he his birthday was in December, so I think I was an early uh, birthday present. I was also the last born child of my father. My closest sister was seventeen and a half years older than me. Wow. So I was the surprise baby. Oh man. I had a half brother who died. Uh, just before I was born, and my dad couldn't attend the funeral because he was worried he was going to have to drive my mom to the hospital at any minute now. And then he had to drive them up here to Midvale, drive me and my mom up here to Midvale to, to show. You no, know, I really couldn't come to the funeral because uh-huh. was, she was having a baby. So Surprise Seems baby. Seems like a good reason to get out of a funeral. Yeah, I, I always thought it was a great, a great reason to get out of a funeral, but you know. Any younger siblings? Nobody younger, no. Yeah. No, That's I have got a lot of nieces and nephews that are so close to my age, they might as well be cousins. Yeah. And, um. Well, that's what happens when your next oldest sibling is 17. 17 years, 17 years older. older, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she was out of the house before I even was aware of it. But, yeah. but she babysat me and raised me on the Beatles. So, so not super close to your siblings, then, I'm guessing. 17 years of the youngest. How many others do you have? I had, uh,. I have uh, three. Well, I had three siblings. Uh, both both my sisters passed away. My brother is still kicking. He lives down in St. George. I talk to him every blue moon. Uh, my mother's still alive at ninety three years old. Wow! So she's still kicking along. Which I'm hoping I got those genes and not right. my father's <laughs> genes because everybody in my father's family died in their sixties, which means I've only got a few years left. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I want to keep going. So yeah, I'm like, I want the nineties. I want the nineties gene. I hope yeah. I got that one. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'm praying because my grandfather and all of his siblings had early onset Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and dementia, and I'm like, 
Well, I think I'm fucked. So <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Maybe so you I never got know. lucky. Maybe I got lucky. You're in your prime years right now, Chris. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Roll, roll those, <laughs> roll those uh, genetic dice, and hope you, hope you don't roll snake eyes. That's yeah, what I that's, said. Uh, that's something else. My grandma so, was healthy as an ox until mm-hmm. you know she finally kicked the bucket in like her 90s. So yeah. So, so where were you born? I was born in American Fork, Utah. American Fark. American Fark. The American Fark Hospital uh, started out in Highland, Utah. Before it was ever Highland, Utah, it was just, they called it Highland, but nobody, it wasn't officially anything It was up yet. in the Highlands. It was in the Highlands. It was in the Highlands, which was appropriate for us. And then I moved, <laughs> then we moved to Pleasant Grove when I was four years old, going on five. The FARC to the PGs. Yeah, from the FARC to the PGs, and I stayed in PG until I finally escaped to uh, up here to the north. So high school then, all through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lived lived in Pleasant Grove that whole time, that, yeah. That bubble? That bubble. the And it was a small town bubble. It wasn't just a Mormon bubble. It was a small town bubble. It was, I remember when I finally saw, uh, or read and then saw Our Town uh, by Thornton Wilder, uh-huh. uh, the guy, the narrator could have been talking about downtown Pleasant Grove the way he talked about it. It was, it was astounding. It was like, wow, yeah, I grew up there. Well, and back then it wasn't really connected like it is now either. Oh, no. PG Did now, you even have stoplights back then? We had one. Because now there's like two. Yeah, but it's the same. So, so you're going There's down more what than is, two stoplights. What's down the road, Jess? That I get like you're going down that road, and then it's five <laughs> different roads, but you haven't exited. Oh yeah, yeah. State Street is that what it is? Yeah, that'd be State Street. That would yeah. be State Street in Utah. <laughs> and that was that was the uh, that was the stoplight I grew <laughs> up near. Purple Turtle. Yeah, <laughs> I get so confused. I'm like, well, I'm on State. No, I'm on. No, I'm back. Yeah, on if you go down from that State Street and you turn left, there's this kind of uh, well, it's trailer court really. Yep. It's mobile home estates. Estates. I they were called estates because they actually you actually. We actually owned the land. Oh, that's impressive. Which is different than most mobile home courts. You actually have to rent the land and you own your trailer. We owned the land and then the trailer was not even a trailer anymore. It was just turned into, it was a prefab house. And that's what I grew up in because it was just me and my mom and my dad. And they wanted a simple, small house and a small piece of land to live on. They didn't want the big farm they had before and the horses and everything. They just wanted a simple place where he could drive to work quickly. They only had one and slave child. Only so one slave child. No that was it. Farm. I'd run the farm with just one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I figured... Once my sisters and brother were gone, it was like we can't we can't keep this place up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting old. We had a surprise baby. Yep. We're screwed. We're going. We're we're heading. We're heading Let's out of here. Take the easy road. <laughs> so then, what brought you out of the bubble? Um, the bubble. I wanted to escape the bubble. Yeah, I. I never fit in once there. <laughs> I, I tended to be more of a critical thinker and a literal child. What? So when in Utah I, County, you can't yeah, do that, can you? I think my first day in uh, Mormon primary, uh, they said this is the one true church, and I thought they meant the building, and wondered why my buddies were were so screwed. <laughs> can you believe the audacity of the Mormons to call themselves the church? Didn't they know the Catholics took that forever? They ago? took that a long time. I think that's why they took it was to uh, just. Stick it to the Catholics one time. Or, Pretty sure the Catholics took that yeah. like in the 1400s. Pretty sure the Catholics don't care. The Catholics did not care. They're like, yeah, you could call yourself whatever you want. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> we killed way more people than you have. <laughs> <laughs> we fought wars for hundreds of years. You've only been around a hundred years. Missionaries. We've got crusaders. <laughs> we stopped doing fucking missions years ago. Everyone knows who we are. Missionaries carried swords and killed people. Exactly. Now we build churches and schools. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they 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 don't care. <laughs> no, they don't give a shit. So you left the bubble, came up north, Salt Lake. Yeah, I wanted to go to the. I wanted to go to the U because um, BYU was never an option. And uh, so <laughs> well, I, came I think up, you would have fit in just fine. I, as I, a critical uh, thinker. That would have been fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> the first day I said that, they would they would have been like uh, Brother Carter. Brother Carter, get done here. Yeah, yeah, I, I, we, I gotta, we, we need to let you know you're uh, you're expelled. <laughs> have you guys have you guys seen the reports of the big parties they're having at BYU right now? Yeah. Like um, also, they're going to be selling football tickets. So, but this is my question: like, what are they doing? Because they're not supposed to drink or do drugs, and those look like rave images. That is just... the only way you can cut loose. In uh, when I when I was in college, um, my first couple of years in college, I was da- I was at South- I was at Utah Valley. University give you oh, no, no Utah, Utah Valley, Valley Community College Community, community College, college. Yeah. that was so my was first two then. years was it was Community College because I was I'm old and um, I was down at Utah Valley Community College and the ska movement kicked up in Provo and Mighty Mighty Boston's it was huge oh, because now all these band geeks could actually play in a real band yeah Stretch Armstrong uh, went crazy uh, Swim Herschel Swim crazy everybody eights. went crazy for it Crazy Eights and we would go to those concerts. I wanted a beer or or anything to drink, but there was never anything to drink but Coke. And yet these guys, you'd watch these Mormon kids just go crazy, and it was it was wild to go to these concerts. That's why Footloose had Dancing Outlawed. It was that. <laughs> yeah, it was that. It was that is the one thing you know. It, it's it's mind boggling to me because I'm like that looks like a rave, but I don't think any of mm-hmm. those guys are high. It's just sugar. Yeah, yeah, because they're not allowed to have sugar. They get they get a pack of Pixie sticks at the door. <laughs> A pack of pigs and sticks <laughs> and a Mountain and a, Dew and a, and a Mountain Dew. <laughs> they go insane. No, they they're sneaking in the Red Bull. That's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. We didn't like, have Red Bull then. We had uh, Jolt Cola. Oh, Jolt. Yeah, Jolt. yeah everybody was guzzling Jolts. That was disgusting. Too. We talked about Jolt a little while ago. So anyway, <laughs> I thought Jolt was bad. Then I had a red. Then I had a Red Bull, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was missing. <laughs> this is fantastic. So you move up to Salt Lake, go to the U. Mm-hmm. Um, did you Did you ever leave Utah for any amount nope. of time? No, nope. never had a. I had a good. I had a steady girlfriend when we moved. When I moved up here, and she moved in with me, and then we decided we were going to get married, and then we waited for both of her brothers to come back from their Mormon missions because she was from Provo. And uh, when they came back, we got married, and I just, I was like, got to have a job, got to pay the rent, got to try to go to school, got to try to get my degree, which I didn't, but I got to try to do that, I got to try to do all these things, and then uh, work called, and, and um, Real I just life sort of, sets in. I sort of bootstrapped <laughs> my way up into different jobs that didn't bore the shit out of me, so that I could, I wouldn't have to, you know go postal at my work, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I went from being a... Going from just working on a uh, on the phones in a call center at Matrix Marketing, Matrix Marketing, to uh, being a trainer there, and then um, one day I said, you know, this training material sucks. Can I rewrite it? And they said, go for it. And that was my first foray into being a writer and being openly criticized for writing, which was like really terrifying at that point. That's and, hard, um, yeah. and because it was my job, you know, it was on the line if if I didn't do it right, which was awesome to get that kind of that kind of. At the time, I hated it. It sucked. But now I look back on it, it was like, that was the most awesome way to get that kind of pushback on your writing. It's not safe. You know, you have to do what you, you have to do what you, what you need to do. And I stopped being precious about what I was writing and stopped worrying about, uh, you know, uh, stopped worrying about so much the, the form mm-hmm. and, and paid attention to the function of it. 
And uh, I became a really good writer from that. And they, they recognized that. And they said, hey, you want to come over to our tech writing department? I said, is there more money? They said, oh, yeah. And I said, then that's where I'm at. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little hungry right now. So I'm going to come over there where I can eat now. And then I went over there, um, stayed as a tech writer until we had the Night of the Long Knives when they got rid of all of us. Uh, like two-thirds of the company was let is that, go. Is that when they wiped out Matrix and somebody bought them out? Yeah, it was just after. It was just after. Whole... What had happened is the dot-com crash happened. Mm -hmm. Most people forget the dot-com crash because it happened in July, in June, or May of uh, 2001. Huh. And most people forgot it because then we had September, September 11th. 11th, which yeah. is a little more. Which is just coming up now. Uh, so, yeah, I went and found, I had to go get another job as a tech writer. Um, lost that job because of September 11th. Um, and then, uh, wound up back on the phones, um, at a, at a company that was, uh, NTT Vario, which was, uh, web hosting. And I didn't know anything about the internet <laughs> at the time. I got a crash course in the internet and became a web developer, uh, out of, out of that. Wow. And, uh, came out of that as a web developer and I've stayed in that job ever since. It's really not as hard as people think sometimes. No. To develop web stuff. No, it it was it was awesome because I could use a designer's eye and an artist's eye to to really impress people over well, the usual geeks who are like, well, if we can just make a button there. <laughs> well, well, and and back then, so now, like, I mean, that's a lot of the the stuff that I deal with on a daily basis, and mm -hmm. now that it, it's web design is design. It has yeah. nothing to do with code, right? And and so people that are that do have an artistic talent, have an eye for good design and and good presentation, they're way better at it than anyone else. And mm -hmm. so to have that that edge early on is is a big deal. I remember my first website. I had no choice. I had to do both. Nowadays, the kids can diversify. Those young those youngsters who are in their thirties now uh, can can <laughs> diversify and uh, and and could say, well, I'm just going to be a designer. Or I'm just going to do UX user experience design, and they never touch code. I didn't have a choice. I had to learn code. I had to yeah. learn design. I had to learn user experience. I had to learn use learn how to do a user interface. I had to learn it all. And now when I go in and apply for a job, they're like, well, you don't have a degree in this. I'm like, they didn't even have the internet was when I was in college. <laughs> if you, so you want me to have a degree because you know what languages I would have been taught when I had a degree? Exactly. <laughs> That's not really pertinent, guys. <laughs> we went to college before the internet. Mm -hmm. That blows my kids away who are in college. I'm like, I didn't have Google when I went to college. Nope. Well, how did you get anything done? I went to the library. I went yep. to a library. We pulled up microfiche. And used and used the Dewey Decimal System. And you would take the yep. library books and the pages you needed over to a copy machine. Yep. Photocopy them. <laughs> and you would copy those pages, and then yep. you would go back to your dorm, and you would write them and then type them on a typewriter. Oh, and you know what else we didn't have? This is, this is I mean, it's fantastic. We didn't have <laughs> services like Amazon. What's the one the girls use for books? I can't remember. Where you can rent a book for 20 bucks for a yeah, semester? Yeah, no, no. Oh no no! I had no, to pay. I had to pay full price for my book, and when and I went to Chab? sell it back, I got a dollar. Chab, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chab, Chab or Chab yeah. or something. No, it's like Chab. Chab. I remember the most expensive book I had was an Asian art class I took at the University of Utah, and this was back in '97. <laughs> that book cost me a hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, yeah. that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In '97, my calculus book in '99 was more than that. 
my my rent at the dorms per month was like a hundred dollars a month. So that was more than a month's rent. I had a, I had a class where it was, and this was in ninety <laughs> in ninety five, and the 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 course book with the course manual was a hundred and something dollars. And I asked if they had any used, and they said no. This is a brand new class. I said then I'm dropping the class and I'll take it I'll next take year. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the worst is the worst is especially like math books and stuff. You'd get them, and they're like, oh, it's the new edition. Oh, great, I have to buy it new. Oh, you can sell it back for ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, like, or less. Yeah. You'd get a buck back. Sometimes. Or you'd have those professors who wrote their own book. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like <clears throat> it's like bound in the library, uh-huh. cheap ass, yep. but, but it's still sixty bucks. Sixty bucks, and you take notes in it, so you're not selling yep. that thing back. No, my best experience though was I was reading uh, Denny O'Neill and Dennis Cohen's The Question. It had just come out in '87 when I started college. And uh, I knew about the question from years before. He was a Charlton character that Steve Ditko had created. And I went, I said, I'm, I'm going to read this new book. And I read it, and there was a word in there that I'd never heard in context before. I think I'd heard the word, but I'd never heard it in context. And it blew me away. It was Zen. And I'm like, what is this? And I get to the last page of the book, of the comic book. This is why you got to buy comic books and not graphic novels, kids. The last page of the comic book. Um, Denny O'Neill had a recommended reading list, which was usually one book a month that he'd put in there. And the first one was, uh, Beginner Mind, uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by DT Suzuki. The next, the next month it was Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. And I'm like, okay, I gotta find out what this is about. I go to my college library, pull up the, go into the card catalog. Go find Zen. Go find Zen in the card catalog. Found the Dewey Decimal. <laughs> coordinates walk to that shelf there was a bookshelf this was at the utah valley community college just after it had been a utah valley technical college so their library was fairly new it was maybe a six foot shelf and it was one end to the other was zen and 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 eastern philosophy books and i read from one i I read the book i was looking for and then i read from one end to the next um and came out of it uh, more couched in Eastern philosophy and wondering why this had never, I'd never been exposed to this. I had a whole missionary experience just up by Pleasant Grove. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, that's an easy answer. So, yeah. It's not. So from college, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance was one of my favorite mm-hmm. books out of college. What a classic, too. I loved yeah. that book. It was amazing mm-hmm. and mind blowing. And yeah. anybody who hasn't read it, you should because it'll change your life. Seriously. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like I may have to put a picture of what the Dewey Decimal System is on. You probably have to post that because half our listeners. Yeah, that's <laughs> all, that, they're going to they're going to be scratching no, their. I feel like our our listeners are as old as we are and they know what it is. I'm like Google it, kids. That's right. you know. And then what was always awesome is on the just inside the book where they had the little card thingy that you put in and they put it like right over the author's name. So you couldn't see so shit. You couldn't see like yeah, you that. Couldn't see it. Yep. The stuff that you had to have when you had to write your bibliography. Yeah, for exactly. Those you know yep. that those are on the pages inside the book. Well, no, I'm saying they would put it inside the book. They'd put that little card thing like in the yeah. Slap it right. They, over, they wouldn't like, put it. They wouldn't always put it right inside the cover. They'd often put it on the publication page. And I'm like, you're like crap. Why, why are you hiding the publication page? Did you steal the book yeah. <laughs> to and, put it in the library? And it's not like you could <laughs> Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, if you went to Wikipedia, which is something else we didn't have. Um, and you look up the Dewey Decimal System, it'll say an old system. An, old system. <laughs> yeah. an ancient system. An ancient library system. To be fair, you can only trust about half of Wikipedia. So. A dead language. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> did that Did that journey of reading that on that six-foot bookcase get you into your Tai Chi and your yoga? Yes, your it did. Passion? I became a, I became obsessed with wanting to learn martial arts philosophy. Um, I didn't want to necessarily learn martial arts because... If somebody hit me, I would cry. So I didn't want to cry. Um, I was kind of over that. So I was looking for something that would 
where I wouldn't get hit and cry, and I could still learn martial arts philosophy. And uh, a buddy of mine was big into martial arts and was taking like multiple different disciplines. And he said, you really should try Tai Chi. And I said, what's Tai Chi? He said, I don't know. But a guy was talking about it, and it reminded me of you. And I said, I must find this Tai Chi. Tai Chi is awesome. I also took Tai Chi in college. It's the best way to describe it is mm-hmm. slow motion karate. Yep. And if, uh, <laughs> you, did you take it from Bill Parkinson? I did. That's that he was my Sifu. That's yeah. awesome. He, he, um, he apprenticed me after three, after four semesters of taking the course. He goes, Hey, why don't you take the third uh, form students over there and teach them some, uh, teach them some martial art, teach them some of this. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, yeah. He was amazing. And after that, he teacher. just started apprenticing me and, um, and apprenticed me, and, and he was also a yoga instructor, so he apprenticed me in both uh, Tai Chi and yoga for another four years. And then, um, and it, there was no, I could have left at any time and he would have given me his blessing, but I just kept coming back for class. And he's like, you can come to class for free, is what he told me. As long as you're helping me teach, you can come to class for free. And I had nothing better to do on a <laughs> Wednesday night, so I'd show up and, and uh, do some Tai Chi and yoga with him. And then finally he... um he mentioned to me, so yeah, I'm having to do certifications now because it's a whole thing for yoga. So I'm just going to do it for Tai Chi and yoga because he never, there was no such thing as certification when, right. he, when he learned yoga. He, he learned it when he was a hippie in the 60s. So. Um, and he said, yeah, I've got to do this. And I said, great. How, what, what do I, what do I got to do to get certified? He goes, um, wait right here while I pull a certificate out and fill it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, okay, cool. I'm now a certified instructor officially. So, yeah. That's awesome. So through all of this and through like high school and going through college, did you always have a creative streak? Yes. Yes. That's why you didn't fit in in Utah County. Right? It's why I didn't fit in in Utah County. Um, <laughs> the place I fit in was the drama club, the drama club in high school. Um, and I loved theater and I loved drama. I loved doing all that. I loved putting on a show. I didn't realize why I loved putting on a show for a long time. And then I went to, I went to, uh, I went to college, um, even junior college. I, I got my degree in humanities because that's what they had to offer as a degree for an associate's degree. But the degree was actually in theater because I just spent my whole time at the, in the theater and d- took all my classes in theater. When I went to the U, I decided I needed to make some money in this art. So I took studied film. I studied it long enough to understand that I am I do not have a filmmaker's eye. I have a theater guy's eye. So I stopped doing film and went back to theater. But then I had to I ran out of money. So I had to stop uh, before I could get my bachelor's. Um, I then... Like I said, everything I had, everything I, I I went for had to have some sort of creative streak to it. Uh, cre- technical writing doesn't sound creative until you realize you've got to figure out how to talk to a person without talking to a person, and that became a creative exercise. And then web design, being a creative individual, and also having to write code, I had to have, I had to be creative in both er- in both aspects, and I still am, which is great. Um, and I still make a living at it, which is great because you know i gotta pay a mortgage um but yeah the in, be underneath it all um there was always theater at least until this last year and then there was always uh the opportunity to write things for people um until i finally decided i've had enough i'm gonna write something for myself yeah. and by this last year you just mean covid yeah decent. no or pre no nope. pre-covid it was pre-covid have you not heard the tale? Yes, yes. Did you not read yes, the Tribune article on yes, the? Yes, I did. On the on the uh, on the uh, awesome. I didn't time know that that would have. I didn't know that would have been like, <laughs> like the end for you. Did it completely ruin? It broke the, me. The, it broke me. Yeah. It broke me. I the the other guys in the company. I don't know, but we were doing a production of American, American Psycho, Psycho the musical, 
Uh, we had an Which actor. Which would have been rad. <laughs> we had an actor lose his shit um, one afternoon, one evening, and um, terrorized. Came back the next day, vandalized the set. No. forcing us to not open that weekend, quit the show, which also meant we had to replace his ass. Um, the rest of the cast rallied, said they wanted to do it. And then he came back on Facebook on Monday, wrote this big, long rant mm-hmm. about everybody, said a lot of things that weren't true, and he later recanted every one of them, but nobody nobody knows that. They didn't uh, pay attention. Of course. They only pay attention to the dirt, not the, right. not the clean right. stuff. Um, he recanted a lot of what he said, but he said a lot of dirt on us, and that forced two of my peers in the theater community to create a i don't know why i forced him to do this but they created a facebook group called reasons to boycott utah rep which was our company and apparently um all these actors came on and basically by the end of it most of us became persona non grata um we were told you know it's gonna be difficult to get any auditions here uh anybody to audition i'm like ah they'll come back if we hold an audition but then we were told by we were definitely going to be doing uh, the part two of Angels in America. Oh, wow. And we had the cast committed to coming back. They all quit that afternoon because they said, we can't work for Utah Rip anymore. And I was like, great. So we just, we just quit. We just, we ended it. But even before that, uh, this show was tearing me apart. Um, we had a lot of problems with the cast that I had not experienced before. Hmm. And I think it has to do with, I hate to be generational, but it really has to do with that. The current generation of actors just sure. come from a place where I, I don't come from and I can't relate to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I came up in theater, it was whatever they tell you to do, you fucking do it and you shut up and you fucking do it if you want to keep your part. Yeah. And yeah. And, and now there's so much entitlement and so many, so much whining about little things that, Never even I never even occurred to me that they they would bother someone. Now I, I totally understand why they bother someone. They probably bothered me when they happened to me. Right, but as you an just actor. did it like you just did it. It, it was just it something was, that you did to put on a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the end, your ego never mattered. Uh, by the end of it, yeah. it was all about doing a great show. And, and about the group. The, the, yeah, and the camaraderie that came together. Yeah. And and even if it was a bad experience, we all shared a bad experience together, and we could all talk about it like it was an old war story, like we're old soldiers having a, from a war or something. And it just it's just not that anymore. And I I appreciate that they want things to be better. I tried my best to make things better, and I just don't think that that's something I want to look for right now. Uh, maybe I'm never going to say never. Right. Somebody could call me up and say, "Hey, I've got this great show for you to to direct, and I'll come direct it." Or, "Hey, I could be." You know, you you know, hey, we got this part for you to play, and I'm like, well, as long as I don't have to memorize an entire book again, like I did with the last play I did, I acted in, I'm happy to do it, and uh, and if that if that's the case, I'll do it. But otherwise, yeah, I don't need to do it anymore. It broke me a lot, so I'm like, I'm I'm done. I didn't mean to rub salt in a wound. <laughs> no, I know there's it was actually a big the, deal, wo- so. the wounds are closed, so okay. you're just rubbing salt on skin. Okay, um, so it's a little, it's a little it's exfoliating. Yeah, it's exfoliating. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's just I can tell you why I got the scar. I can tell you. Yeah. Have you do you know where I got this scar? I can tell you where yeah. I got this scar. That's pretty. That's pretty. But fortunately, at the same time, I was writing uh, Shaolin Nun, and so it didn't hurt as deeply as it could have. But you've written other other books. Like this wasn't your first venture into writing. Correct? Oh no no no! Okay. I'd written I'd written a few short stories, and then uh, after I met uh, Jeremy and Chris and uh, and that um, and Josh, they came on our show to talk. We were asking about we wanted to learn about this Salt City Strangers thing they'd written, this comic book they'd written. We were really excited about it because we were making fun of this whole. Um, 
we we were we, it was a joke to us that it was a, a Mormon superhero team, a right. Mormon Avengers, and, we and that was the find, whole point. We wanted it? to find out about it, and uh, anyway, they came by, and I talked to them about it and everything, and they were. Um, I was really I was really impressed with how with the let there it was it was a comedy but it, there was a level of seriousness to it mm-hmm. and I really liked that and I and I and I oh, I probably over expressed how excited I would be to work in comics um, to the point that at the next uh, I think it was Fanex the first Fanex here in Salt Lake can you believe that's been seven years yeah so it would have been seven years ago I walked I happened to walk past uh, one of the comic book booths one of the comic shop booths and there was Chris uh, Chris Hoffman sitting in there. Nice. Um, he was inking some pages, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, I want to talk to you. Would you be interested in writing a short, uh, writing an origin story for one of our characters?" I said, "Well, there's only one character I'm interested in." He goes, "Oh, what the gull?" I said, "No, Den Mother." <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing scout. I've been a scouter almost as long as I've been a parent, so I am more than happy to <laughs> write about these women that I have been working with in scouting since my while well, my son was a Cub Scout, and I want to write about this. And he's like, great. I said, what's her origin? He goes, um, not much to tell you. Her fa- her whole family was killed by some by a psychopath. And immediately this Weird Al Yankovic song played in my head. <laughs> There's a homicidal maniac who finds a Cub Scout troop and hacks up two or three in every scene. And I immediately had the story. <laughs> I went home and wrote the script out. I'd never written a comic book script before. Um, in fact, later when I was putting up my website, I kind of rewrote the script to look like a comic book script so I wouldn't get ripped <laughs> by the writer's community. Um, but anyway, yeah, I wrote up a script and we, we, it took forever to find an illustrator, but we got, this guy out of Brazil who didn't speak a word of English, couldn't read a word of English. So uh, we got translated, which was fine. Uh, it worked. He, he still drew the way I wanted. He drew it the way I wanted it to look. And I was very happy with it in the end. Um, and then uh, we, you know, that was my first my first taste, as you, if you will, of being published in a comic book. And uh, I was like, I want to do more. But you've you've liked comics all your life, right? Since I was seven years old, um, my father was functionally illiterate. Not that anybody would ever tell me that until I was he was long dead and I was well into my thirties. Uh, but it, I found out much later in life he was functionally illiterate. Um, but he loved comic books because he could follow a story oh. without having to read the words. He could just read. He could just study the panels. And he kind of figure out what the story was about. I'm like, I don't think he could do that with modern comics, but back <laughs> back in the 60s and 70s, absolutely, you could do that with those comics. And he would buy me comics uh, when I was learning to read, and he'd have me sit and read them to him. Aww, and cool. I was I always thought he was supposed to help me with memory. my reading. Yeah. I always thought he was supposed to help me with my reading, and I didn't realize I was just reading to him. <laughs> and he was, you know, later I would walk away, and my mom told me, yeah, you'd walk away, and he'd say, my boy can read, and he'd be all excited about it. And I never thought I had that my whole life. I was I was always embarrassed because I can still remember I I really mispronounced a word for a character. A uh, character's name was the Joker's daughter, and I called her the Joker's delighter. And I was like, I don't know why I delighter. I read delighter, but that was it. And and I he said, who's that? And I said, that's the Joker's delighter. And we, I just went on reading the book. And later I was like, I can't believe I called her the Joker's delighter. I'm so embarrassed. Dad would have known I screwed up that word. No. He had no idea. To him, he went to his grave with that woman being called the Joker's Delighter. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did you how did you start um, what was formerly Hold 322 and is now the world's greatest comic book podcast? Hey, you got the name right this week. Well, it's the one yeah, I fucked it up like 12 yeah, times. Yeah, I'm like, like it's the world's greatest comic book podcast. Let's it's get like the name thing. right, guys. Like, <gasps> if Stan Lee can call the Fantastic Four the world's greatest comic magazine, I can call my show so, the world's greatest comic book 
favorite podcast. Was it you or JM that found that URL and was able to get that done? Uh, Jeff found it. That's 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 so great. we'd start out as old three twenty two. Um okay, so we started out as the left show. Jeff had worked at KSL, got fired uh for writing the word vagina in a blog. That, that story is fantastic. Yeah, it's a great story. You just go to theleftshow.com. You'll find it. Well, he's probably told it 50 times. But anyway, he wrote, he, uh, he got fired from KSL. He wanted, he wanted to do another show again. It was his show it was called Left of the Dial. It was an hour a week, unless BYU was playing a game, um, of, uh, of being, of a leftist, uh, in comparison to what it was like four hours a day of Hannity mm-hmm. in the afternoon. So that was their fair and balanced portion was they had a leftist guy on Saturdays and, and sometimes as long as BYU wasn't playing a right. game. <laughs> so anyway, he, uh, he, 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 he does the left show. Uh, he decides he wants to do the left show. He finally gets it put together, calls a bunch of us in, um, but he wanted me to do it. And I'm like, I would love to talk into a microphone um, and talk about politics and everything, and especially liberal politics. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And, I don't think he expected anything of any of us. He knew he was an old radio guy. He was a radio guy, so he knew what he was doing. He knew I, he said, he said later, he said, I figured you knew what you were doing, but I didn't, you know, you never know. And one day he said, you're doing really well. You need a show of your own. I said, okay, here's my pitch. I said, I got three of them. I said, we'll do a show on martial arts. No. (laughs) Uh, We can do a show on local art and culture. No. We'll do a show about comic books. What do we call it? Hold 322. Why hold 322? That's the my comic book hold at my local shop. It goes, perfect. And But if I say hold 322 to anybody, am I talking about comic books? Do you think I'm talking about comic books? You may or may not. If you know what it is, it's if a deep dive. If you know comic books, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's a deep but. dive, though, and I wanted to attract, we wanted to attract more listeners. And so one day, just as a joke, I said, you're listening to the world's greatest comic book podcast, because I'd just read a fantastic four and on the top of the book was the world's greatest comic magazine and i was like you're listening to the world's greatest comic book podcast and i started calling it that all the time and uh one day some great seo right there (laughs) yeah and one day i just said uh i said you know we need to rebrand i said i don't think anybody knows what hold 322 is let's just change the name to the world's greatest comic book podcast and jeff just went online and said the world's greatest podcast it's available by yeah the comic book podcast it's available by and and that's how it started. And then he decided that since he he owned the world's greatest podcast, that we would just be called the world's greatest podcast network, which is fine because the left show is the world's greatest political podcast. Period. End of story. I don't care, Mark Marin. It is the, <laughs> it's the world's greatest political podcast. How how far were you guys in before when you rebranded? Like oh, I was. We were years, years in. Were you? Yeah, yeah, that we was were, recent. We were several years in. Um, it was at least. Two to three years ago that we rebranded out it was of the... Probably seven years ago I was on Hold yeah, 22. when we started. So, yeah, we've been doing this for eight years. And, yeah, it was only a few years ago that we rebranded. And we were more than happy to rebrand. And it's it did help to some degree. I mean, it's a fickle audience. But we've managed to maintain about 1,500 downloads to 2,000 downloads a week. That's fantastic. With, with just the comic book show. So Well, well and especially in a market where mm-hmm. there is a gigantic geek podcast. Yes, and and they're the they're the big boys. Well, they yeah. are the local local boys. Yeah. And yeah. once I realized, if, so for a while I saw them as competition or as just peers. But they're not competition because they're they don't not talk about comic books like. And and they're 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 very popular locally, but then they don't get much past the Wasatch Front, uh, unless Jay really pushes them when he's on a comedy tour. So it's like they're kind of the the local gang. And I said, you know what? Let's stop trying to be the local guys 
and let's be the worldwide guys. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've pushed for ever since is to just be a, a an inclusive group that we we don't necessarily talk. We, I mean, we can't help but talk about Utah stuff every now and then if it comes up, but we try not to because it's like this is our this is our you know it, comic books are world are a worldwide phenomenon right. and yeah. we're going to talk about them everywhere. I mean, everybody loves the Avengers all over the world. You know, everybody mourned. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's death mm-hmm. all over the world. That was sad and um, and surprising because no, he never let anybody know he was sick. No, until, and he was sick for like four years. Yeah, while making the Black Panther uh-huh. and while making he made Avengers. like five movies. Yeah, five movies, yeah. including action movies. Yeah, yeah like Black Panther. Yep. and it's like no, nah, man. And he was always giving back uh, to his community, so he was a true superhero in every sense of the word. And. Um, and everybody mourned that. And it's like, we're not a local phenomenon. We're not even an American phenomenon. We're an international phenomenon uh, in comic books. And uh, it's just a matter of, of making sure everybody hears about us. So we just push ourselves out there as much as we can. Well, it's, I mean, it's even to the point, like you said, you found an artist to do your Den Mother uh, edition of Salt City Strangers. And he was from Brazil. Yeah. Didn't yeah. speak English. He's from Brazil. And his art was so good. Uh one of our guys, Andy Malin, said, we need to get this guy now before he gets uh, hired to, to draw the Avengers. He was that he was that talented. And we they've had him ever since. They've got him working on Ruthless, which is a comic book that Chris has been writing mm-hmm. for a while now. Chris and Andy have been doing. And uh, he's been their main artist on it. And he just happily takes their money. And he lives like a king on the money they give well, him and, in Brazil. So. And he's affordable because compared to a lot of the other mm-hmm. artists, when we found him, because we found him... Probably issue three, I want to yeah. say, yeah, yeah. is when we found him. Mm-hmm. Um, they're paying him peanuts, and he's more than happy to do it. I mean, I, I think they're paying him fair, but like... Well, they're paying him fair for where he lives. For where he lives. Yeah. But he's amazing. That's what I look at. I'm like, what's what's your average income there, and what would be fair for where you live? And you just tell me... You Mostly, I'd say, I tell the artist, you tell me what how much you want to make, what's your page rate, and I'll make sure that you get that. Um my current artist uh, is in the Bronx, so nice. he's got a he's got a slightly higher page he's rate. Got a bit yeah. of a page rate. <laughs> he's got a bit of a page rate. Yeah, <laughs> but he's still got a very reasonable one because he's trying to break into the into the whole industry just like I am now. So tell us a little bit more about your new comic. Yes, are are you a fan of like Shaolin Soccer and have you watched the Warrior Nun? <laughs> okay, uh, Warrior Nun Warrior Nun Aurelia is based on a Warrior Nun Aurelia, which was a um, um, American manga comic. Uh huh. Um, about a Catholic nun. I'm very familiar with the source work. I haven't watched the series yet, but I'm very so familiar good. with the source work. And um, I was happy about that because it has nothing to do with what I'm writing. Um, it's, it's so yeah. good, though. It's so good. Yeah. It's really good. So as I as I mentioned, I read that Denny O'Neill, Dennis Cohen question all those years ago, and it set me on that path that brought me into martial arts and, and being a Sifu and being a, a, a yogi and a guru for a long time. Um, I taught... Uh, for about 15 years, um, Kung Fu, uh, Tai Chi, and, uh, and yoga as a combined course uh, in, in my buddy's garage. It, it felt a lot like we do with podcasting, only we had to move around a lot more. <laughs> and um, anyway, I, I did that for so long, and I, I remember just kind of reflecting back, having a moment of introspection, a little, little reflection, and I thought, you know, I, it all got started because he said the word Zen in context for his character, and it sounded cool to me. Where is that now? Where is that book now? I don't see that book out there in on the stands, and that's when it occurred to me. I guess I'm going to have to write it. And uh, way to I, be proactive. Yeah. So I conceived of this idea. So the, all I wrote down was uh, Zen 
a martial arts story. That's just what I wrote on my on my in my notebook, and I didn't think anything more of it. And uh, but it kept coming. It kept pricking at the back of my mind. You need to write this Zen story. You need to write this Zen story. You got some good ideas. You want to write this. And I'm like, well, I got things I want to talk about. I don't know how to talk about them yet. And I kept pushing back and pushing back. And every now and then I'd get an idea of, well, what, what would the character be like? What would the main character be like? And at first it was a dude because um, I'm a dude. And it was a dude. <laughs> and he was a guy that, that knew martial arts and, and protected a city. I'm like, well, that's Batman. I don't need that. <laughs> We've already got a Batman. We've got 100 Batman, so we don't need that. And then I remember I saw an image of a Marvel Comics character Moondragon in a new costume that they they were pushing this whole um, space thing they were doing in Marvel, and they showed Moondragon again. And she's always had the, a shaved head. Um, and I said, oh, wouldn't that be interesting? There are not enough women represented in comics, especially in a strong uh, leading role like this. And they didn't do Moondragon right. They just decided to make her a weird psychic and turn her into a dragon, which didn't work out. She was supposed to be a, a, a mad martial artist, but they, they chickened out on that and didn't go as far as they could have. And I said, well, what if that, what if that was my character? What if it was a woman? And then, boom, that, that got cemented. And um, I wrote, and one day I was coming out of work. I'd had a crappy day. I was running to catch my bus because my wife and I own one car, and she needs it to get the kids to school. So I was running to catch my bus, and I get to the bus stop, and I'm, I'm overweight. My clothes are falling off me because, you know, my belly pushes my pants down to my knees kind of thing. And I'm, like, huffing and puffing as I get there, and I see the bus coming up the road, and I'm like, okay, I made it in time. And just something in my head, the, 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 the sharp, harsh critic in my head said, this is the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> what just happened just now, that's the rest of your life. And the other part of me said, so what are you going to do about it? And I was like, I don't know. And again, that pricked into the back of my head, zen, zen, zen. And I'm like, okay, if I focus all of my energy on something, if I make it happen. That's I know that. So I just focused all my creative energy on it. Fortunately, I didn't have a show going on at the time <laughs> with the theater company. <laughs> so I just focused all my creative energy on it. And um, my, my little word that said zen, a martial arts story, I wrote book one, The Shaolin Nun. And the more I worked on that, the more I said The Shaolin Nun, the more I realized that's a better title than Zen. That's more. That's a little more inclusive. And and and, and um, in Buddhism, you have monks and nuns. They're really all just the same. They're all monastics. But we in 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 the English language call them nuns because that's how we differentiate sexes. And uh, so I said, well, what if what if we is, has there ever been a Shaolin nun? And I looked it up, and there had only been one. And she trained Wing Chun. She was uh, this legendary character who trained the legendary Wing Chun. And if you've ever seen um, Ip Man with Donnie Yen, or if you have ever heard of the guy named Bruce Lee, uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu was their, was their martial art. Not to be confused with the band. No. And Wang that was Wang Chun. <laughs> so Wing Chun, so I, I, I studied that, and, I, and basically her story ends where with, with she trained Wing Chun and how to do this stuff, and then she just sort of wanders back into the mountains and you never hear from her again. I said, what if that wasn't the only woman she trained? What if women came from all over China, kept it a secret? Only other women, only women would tell other women about this, the secret monastery that they could go and they could learn how to fight back against the world of men that was trying to subjugate them and push them down. And they could come out as awesome of fighters as Wing Chun. And I said, that's my story. Hmm. Um, and then I said, well, who is this main, who's my main character? She's a Chinese woman. <clears throat> oh, 
I am neither Chinese nor woman. <laughs> um, I can. I think I can do the woman part if I really kill my ego and talk to women and find out how would you re- how how would you respond in this situation? Does this situation sound realistic to you? And that's worked great. And then for the Chinese part, I I cheated and made her um, a foundling by two American consulate workers who adopted her. <laughs> so she's basically so she's really raised by American. she's raised American. So I don't have to worry about you know what what's it like to be a Chinese child. No, I know what it's like to be an American child, so I can write about that. And so that was easy enough. Plus, it gave me an excuse to bring her to America because she would have been uh, naturalized by it through adoption. So she was able to come to America without having to go through all the green card visas and everything, you know, religious visas and everything. Isn't it great to think about that kind of shit when you're doing creative stuff? It's what I get for working for a government agency now (laughs) for six years. (laughs) You start thinking about, well, how would she come to this country? And especially now in the... In the era of we don't want these foreigners here. Uh, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. Not right now. Yep. What well, did you while you're writing this? Did you have an audience in mind, like an age in mind? Um, I had me in mind, um, and I had me as a 20 year old in mind, and I had me as a 40 year old in mind, and me as a 50 year old in mind. Um, I but not 10 year old. But not 10 year old necessarily. I I didn't necessarily look at it as something for kids because comic books aren't just for kids anymore. That stopped a long time ago. I don't think they were ever if, just for kids. They never games. were, but they were considered junk literature yeah. for a long oh, yeah. time. Now you can read stuff and you're and you could just be blown away. Even the current stuff. There's there are guys <laughs> writers out there that just blow me away. A- Amazon made the boys. <laughs> Yeah, Amazon uh-huh. made the boys. Not for kids in nope. any way, shape, or form. And it never was. If you read the no. original Garth Ennis, uh, uh, Derek Am- Robertson piece, no. Amazon tamed it way down. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and it's still really fucked. <laughs> what I love about the Amazon one is that um, where the boys actually finally take on the seven is way into the series. But they decided to make Huey becoming one of the boys and... Um, and them, them taking down the seven along with Starlight becoming one of the seven and trying to take down the seven from the inside. A whole thing right at the beginning, which I think is a much stronger story. And uh, normally I, I, I object to too many changes to the original source material, but this was a lot more solid. Oh, I grabbed you like immediately. Like a lot of yeah. the a lot of the shows that are on the streaming mm-hmm. services take four or five six episodes to really get you involved because it's they've got the time when you're binge watching to mm-hmm. develop you know an hour of each character's story really well yeah. which is a, a fantastic medium for it but that one like the first episode of the first season you were you were either hooked or you're like nope this is not for me <laughs> and what you and what you had in the comic book series was the boy where the boys doing their thing which was dealing with the superhero problem but they were starting out with like the basically the teen titans of that world and taking them out, the young the young warriors of that world. Um, and meanwhile, uh, you had this whole other story of the seven. And the whole time you're, and even from the first issue, you're reading about the seven. You're like, so when's Billy Butcher gonna go take these fuckers out? Because <laughs> yeah. these guys are worse than anybody, and 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 it trickles down from the top. So why don't you go take these guys out? And um, it it was. I think what the way they chose to approach this story was a lot better, and uh, but that's my that's my review of the boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic, I but enough about Ennis's work. Yeah, I, my and I, you know, as I was writing Shaolin Nun, I realized so this is going to be an adventure where basically she's going to meet a woman who is in trouble. She's going to train her in uh, martial arts or 
help her build her confidence because that was really the biggest thing was in learning martial arts you learn confidence in yourself you learn how to trust yourself in a in a dangerous situation and your whole body changes um i was always a target as a kid i was always the 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 skinny weak little kid who cried easily and uh i was always a target and it was like it was like I was bleeding and there were sharks in the water. It's like they knew I was coming and they could just see it. And even when I first moved up here to Salt Lake, I tended to be a little sheepish and a little unsure of myself. And I remember walking down the street and having the, you know, especially past uh, Crossroads Mall back when you could walk past Crossroads Mall. <laughs> Crossroads Mall. And, uh, and the guys just giving me a hard time, you know, and acting super tough, especially the, the guys who were wannabe. I called them boys in the ward. They were the wannabe gangbangers, the white boy gangbangers, but they would always try to give you a hard time because they could just smell blood in the water. And then I started learning, uh, I started taking Tai Chi and learning the martial aspect of it, applying the martial philosophy of it. And one day I noticed um, they weren't bothering bothering me at all. They would, didn't even have anything to say about it. Because you were carrying yourself differently. I was carrying myself differently. And Bill talked about that a lot, how you just, you, it just changes you. You, you go from, um, you don't even know that you've done it, but all of a sudden people can just tell that you know how to handle yourself. And I was like, oh. And, and as, as the women's march started, you know, after Donnie said I'd grab him by the pussy, um, after the women's march started, I, I was reading every story that came out from women. I wanted to know. I really wanted to understand it because A, it would really help me with my book. <laughs> but B, I just, I really want to understand it. As a, as, a, as a male, as a hetero male, I don't want to be, you know, accidentally. That guy? That guy. Um, I know accidentally I've been that guy probably more times than I'm comfortable with. But, and I apologize to anyone who I've ever hurt. But, uh, you know, it was, it was accidental, I assure you. Um, but I, I remember reading the stories and a lot of those stories, I'm like, wow, if only they knew some Kung Fu, if only they knew a little bit, of, a little bit, of, if only they had a little confidence in that they could handle themselves in a dangerous situation, this would be different. Another good book to read is Gavin De Becker's uh, The Gift of Fear. He's a criminologist who will walk you. He walks vi- people who just narrowly basically went and interviewed a whole bunch of people who narrowly escaped um, a certain death mm-hmm. from a woman who was basically held hostage by a serial killer and then just after he raped her she just quietly f- he he got up to get a beer out of the fridge thinking she'd just be meek and laying in the bed and she just she said she just quietly got up behind him put the you know wrapped the wrapped the blanket around herself and then just followed in his footsteps until he turned into the kitchen she went out the door went across to and went across banged on a couple of neighbors doors until they let her in and hit her there and it, and basically then found out this guy was a mad this guy would have killed her Within the next two hours, and you read this book, and uh, and he talked. He would interview these people. He'd say, "When did you know it was safe to move? When did you know you were in danger?" Because there was another one who said, "I pulled up to a convenience store and I just something told me not to go in." And he goes, "Okay, what did you see? Tell me what you saw." Oh, you know, I saw this guy, and he was really sketchy looking. What made him sketchy looking? You know what? He was doing this, and it was like he breaks it down until you actually see through his words. You can see this dude, and you know he's. He's gonna he's gonna rob the place. He's he looks like a villain in a movie because that's what people look like. And Gavin De Becker really played that out. And the more I read Gift of Fear, and uh, and and then of course then applying it uh, through those eyes to the stories I was hearing from the women's movement, I'm like, more one more women need to read The Gift of Fear by De Becker. 
and two, um, martial arts would would save the world. And I thought, you know, why don't we just let's write this book? And uh, that became my impetus um, to write the Shaolin Nun. And of course, I didn't want to write just a book book. I wanted to write a comic book because I'm a comic book guy. Grew up in comic books. I love comic books, and I wanted to challenge myself in in writing something different. So is this just a regular size comic book, or is this like a full graphic novel? Um, well, it's six issues of a regular book. Um, I do write it episodically. So basically, you come to the end of the that book, and um, you want to read the next one, and then you got to wait a month, which is a good cooling off period before the next one comes. But I make sure you. I feel like I've made sure you don't forget. You know, before you pick up the next issue. And then if you pick up the graphic novel, it might feel a little fast to you mm-hmm. um, because you're going to read it all in one sitting because you're not going to want to put it down. And you'll be like, wow, that took me 30 minutes and I spent 20 bucks on this thing. But it's because you didn't want to put the thing down. Right. Yeah. So how many episodes do you have written right now? I've written I've written six issues of the first. Um, so this is the first arc, which would be the first uh, trade paperback, the first graphic novel. So I've written those first six issues. I've got issue i've got the next six issues issues seven through twelve plotted outlined i could sit down and write them anytime but i want to get this through to a publisher and then i've got the next five years log lined you know i've got the beats set up, set up where i want to go over the next five years because this is supposed to be it's gonna be five years of mayan's life before i finally move her on from where she's at you know, adjust her story, and then we'll see where we go from there. Right. There's, well, a, there's a pivot point where I can actually write about another character that I'm going to introduce in book three or book four. I don't remember where I put her. She's going to get introduced, and she's like the she's like the opposite of Mayin in some ways. Not a nun. Not a you know. Not not completely monastic about everything. And Mayin's going to have to go a different direction anyway. That's the cool yeah. thing about that is that as you go and as the, the characters develop, you can see who's mm-hmm. worthy of branching out, yeah, taking exactly. on their own, or yeah. who people like. And that'll be the other side of it. It's like who who do you who's a, who are you a fan of? And I want to see more stories about that. Then I will certainly write that. Right. Um, but yeah, it's so it's a it's a, right now it's six issues. I'm hoping to so. It's six issues. We're working on the first issue. I have to pay my artists, and I want to pay them a fair wage. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg is in uh, the Bronx, so his wage is a little higher than somebody from Brazil. But right. I was very happy to work with Greg because I have a tendency to write very, write my descriptions semi-colloquially. If I can get that word out of my mouth, I can write it. I can barely say it. <laughs> but um, I know when I uh, – like what I was describing, if you, if you go to shellandnun.com, and you look at, I've got the first five pages that Greg has drawn, um, and, and Lala has colored, and uh, Andy did the lettering for. And uh, so those first five pages are there, and you'll see this biker gang. And when I wrote the description for the biker gang, my first description was, they look like they fell out of the casting call for Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> now, anybody in, the, anybody in America is just smiling, going, I know exactly what that guy gotcha. looks like. Somebody in Malaysia? No idea what you're talking. No about. idea what I'm talking about. So I was very happy to get Greg, and uh, he's been fantastic. His work is just beautiful, just stunningly beautiful, and I'm glad to have him before he gets gobbled up by one of the major publishers. Um, and of course, he wants to be. <laughs> right. He doesn't want to be making 75 bucks a page for me. He wants to, you know, be working for a major publisher and making the making the big bucks. But this is how we break in. We both know this is how we break in. Right. And you kickstarted your first issue, right? Uh huh. The goal was to kickstart uh, the whole thing, of course, but I was told start small. 
Um, I was given good advice from people who have done Kickstarters before, uh, and they said you should start small. And they were saying, you know, like Andy and Chris are saying, oh, we start at like five hundred dollars. I'm like. I'm worried I would only get $500. So uh, I'm going to start with enough to fund the first book and print the first book for a small press run just so the fans can – the people who back me can get it. The hope was if I've got 2,000 listeners and everybody donates 5 bucks, I've paid for this book. Right. Mm-hmm. I've got six issues covered um, because, for one thing, 2,000 people suddenly coming into Kickstarter – Suddenly, I'm in the top 10 on yep. Kickstarter. I never even broke the top 30 this whole time. But I did fund my book, which was important. Which is important. But, but yeah, if a- you can break into that top 10, it opens you up to a whole new world. Oh, yeah. It's a whole – it's like it's like all of a sudden the riches just start flowing. Well, so the- we're hoping next year uh, – so we'll, well, we funded this first issue and we got we got funded, which I'm very happy about. We hunt funded at 105%. Um, so I'll probably get 100% <laughs> from what Kickstarter <laughs> will take. Um, we got 105%, and then uh, we'll pay for everything, and it should give me just enough to get the last 12 pages drawn, because Greg drew 10 pages. It'll get the last 12 pages drawn, plus everything colored, everything lettered. And then from there, uh, I should have enough money I can pay Greg to do the cover and a couple of pages of the next issue. At which point, um, and I, I will have enough money to do this, at which point uh, we'll just kick another Kickstarter off. But now we have a built-in audience of people who would, who are being right. invested in, in keeping this going, um, especially those who are getting issues and stuff who weren't just friends and family donating to because they Plus, like once me. they get that, then they'll tell their friends. And, exactly. And, tell and their I, friends. Well, I encourage people, if you get the digital edition, Feel free to pass it around. I'm, I have no problem being early Metallica and letting right. you pass my tapes around to <laughs> to make uh, to make me to make me famous. What about late Metallica? Late Metallica, like the worst about you that. Wasn't a, wasn't that ironic? You won't have a Lars. Metallica, <laughs> Metallica said, "What made us famous? All of our fans record taking our tapes, dubbing them, and sending them to friends in other parts of the country because they thought we were a really cool group." Then. 20 years later, Napster needs to die because they're giving away our stuff for free. I'm like, how the hell did you think you got... You just said how you got famous. What is wrong with you? (laughs) We did 20 years of arena shows. Exactly. Now now, now we definitely want them to pay for our CDs that we get shit from anyway. Because we don't want to have to do arena shows anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if if Lars and the rest of Metallica didn't fucking do well with their money, that's their own damn fault. That's their own problem. They made so goddamn much money. They made a ton of money. So yeah, I have no problem being Metallica. You can pass around that first issue digitally <laughs> as much as you want and get people into it, get people excited about it, and then tell them, no, I'm not going to give you the second issue when I get it. You go and pay for it on, on Kickstarter. Yeah, and get your own copy of get the first your, edition. Yeah, and get your own copy it. while you're at it, because then they're, you know that's a tier up to get a second. In the Kickstarter tier. world, it's far more important to have your first one be successful. Yeah. Even if it's a small amount, mm-hmm. if it's a success... The next one, we just snowball. But if yeah. you have to drop it for whatever reason, that's oh. a death sentence. We were we were worried about that, and it would have been a restart, which was uh, it was ner- I was nervous about a restart for two reasons. One, how does that look to? It wouldn't look that bad necessarily to the people who had backed me. They'd probably back me again. But in getting new backers, it's the community in general. It's a fickle yeah. community. It's a fickle community. If they see you restart, it can be bad. And then secondly. I know publishers are looking at these kind of things, and if I suddenly have to restart, what's that tell a publisher? Mm -hmm. Yes, I can blame it on COVID and people not having jobs right now and not being willing to risk their money, but 
But I don't see that happening on Kickstarter. It Even, didn't. In fact, people spend more time on Kickstarter because they got nothing else to do. <laughs> exactly. And, and it didn't stop anybody. Did, um, did you have any hesitation going into this with COVID with yes. Kickstarter? Yes. I was going to actually start the kick, launch the Kickstarter in March of this year. <laughs> and we went on lockdown. And people, and people in a flood lost their jobs. And I'm like, I am not starting a Kickstarter yet. Right. Um, and, and sure enough, when I talked to Andy about it, he's like, don't start a Kickstarter when everybody's out of work. Um, I said, no, I'm going to wait until, uh, the summer and I'll kick it off then. It goes perfect. So we kicked it off in the, uh, in July, um, funded at 35% the first week, which was awesome. And then stagnated for a while. And then the last two weeks, I did not do, I, there was not a day that went by that I didn't message, which I, every time I messaged, I'd get a new backer. I'd get at least one new backer. It's really important to, and, to and the, talk to the community. And it was it was that frustrating. It was one new backer every time I messaged. So all the work I'm putting into crafting, writing, drafting, creating a, an interesting message, I'd get one new backer. And, I, and I'm like, I just have to keep going. I can't stop. It's got to, If this gets me a new backer, the next one will get me another backer and so on and so forth. So what Josh and I did with Paranormal Investigation when we did our Kickstarter for that one is mm-hmm. we had pre-written out everything. So we had every day's post lined up before yep. the Kickstarter even started. It was all in place. See, that would have been smart. So, <laughs> lots of lesson to learn for number two. Once yeah. the Kickstarter oh, I- started, I mean, we spent months prepping the Kickstarter, and of course, we funded in uh, I think like seven days. Yep. Yeah, I learned. Fast. I learned a lot of lessons with this first Kickstarter. Um, but we had learned through others. Yeah, we had made yeah. mistakes on others, and once you get the formula right, mm-hmm. it, it's it's amazing to see it. Yeah, succeed. Well, we didn't have that when we were kids. Oh. Kickstarter. Did None of that. Fucking <laughs> crowdfunding wasn't even a term. I don't even know how I would have found an artist when we were kids to do something like yeah, this. Like I, I went on, I went on this website called Digital Webbing that has a message board, and that's I got recommended to that because that's where the where we found Alexander mm-hmm. uh, in Brazil. And I went on to Digital Webbing and I said, I can't afford much. I can do ten dollars a page, but I'm willing to make your page rate. I need ten pages so that I can do a Kickstarter. And then I'm willing to meet your page rate to uh, to after we after we fund, and that's where Greg came from. He just saw me on digital webbing and said I'm very interested. He also was the only one to ask follow up questions. Usually it was just I am a very good artist. I will here's my portfolio. I will do it for you. I worked good long time, and I and I was I was more than happy to entertain every artist <laughs> that came in. I didn't care where they were from. I didn't care how broken their English was. I just wanted to find out who they were. But Greg was like. So tell me more about what your plans are for the book. Tell me how this is going to work, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, you're the only one asking questions. Tell me more about you now because, you know, you've just you've just stroked the Leo ego in me that I want to hear a little more. <laughs> yeah, Team Leo. So I wanted to hear a little more about that. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, no. And he, he got he was really behind me on it. And he stayed behind me on it, which has been fantastic because, like I said, they should, somebody should be gobbling him up very soon. I'm a little worried. I, I might lose him. <laughs> as, long as, I get, him. as long as I get the first six issues out of him, okay. Just we lock can. him down. Just yeah. get him to sign I feel a like contract. When you, yep. I, I, well, he'll be, there'll be a contract for six issues and then. I, I feel like going through something like this, mm-hmm. when you have that kind of connection, there is a sense of loyalty. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could be naive to say, but, you know, it sounds like it was a good connection to I th- start I with. Think, and I think it will be. I think we'll we'll stay loyal. Even if he does decide he's got to move on, it won't be with animosity. And he will give me until the end of whatever run he's working on to, to move on. Um, he'd probably even help me find another artist to come in. Um, but by that point, we're hoping we're going to be the guys that the, even if we're, 
one of the many thousands of guys at the at the comic convention were meeting other of the thousands of guys who are artists and, right. and writers, and they'd be willing and they're interested in working with us. So that would be awesome. And maybe one day you'll be sitting there autographing someone else's rendition of your characters. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens at Comic Con. Yeah, my so my. <laughs> I have three dream, I have three Comic Con fantasies. Um, the first is I'm sitting at the I'm sitting at my table and a woman walks up with her head shaved, dressed like Megan, complete with the the GB dots on her on her forehead and everything, just to the nine. Asian woman comes up dressed like Megan. That would be that's my number one comic fantasy. Number two is anyone any woman coming up and saying how this helped them and saved their life. That would be a, that's a big fantasy of mine. That keeps me going because that happens a lot in with like Star Trek and everything. Everybody, they all talk about that. And the third fantasy is walking through Artist Row and, and seeing other people have rendered, copied your stuff, copied our stuff and, <laughs> and, and, and the, an interpretation and going and getting Greg and coming over and, and autographing it for him and, 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 and talking to him about doing a cover or something, you know. So we won't sue you if you'll do a cover for us kind of thing. <laughs> I just, I'll never, like, I'll never forget. Well, cause we had the guy that created uh, Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's, and he's sitting in a pretty open area. He's just down from us. And so many fucking people are bringing, they're like, Walk over to some dude that's done a rendition over here, buy it, and then ask him to sign it for us. Yeah, yep. <laughs> what are you doing? I want to see that. I want to see somebody come over and ask Greg to sign some of their artist's rendition of me. And, yeah, because I'll sign it. I don't care. It's my character. I own the copyright. You can't take it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, as I write this, I'm like, you know, this is kind of a procedural book. It's almost like a, a weekly, it could be a weekly detective story. Hey, here's how I pitch it to creator you know other other creators right. is like hey we could do a weekly cop story kind of thing you know the woman of the week the woman in trouble of the week and we slowly build up the story of me and heather and and work through that that could, that could be interesting and and could be a good fun series to run i don't know if i want to be on a network though i want to be like netflix or something <laughs> Bree's trying to kill the dog that's all right <laughs> so, we, we should mention also since you brought up comic-con that we should all be attending. This is the first year in seven years that we won't be attending. Oh, I got banned, so I don't, I don't, I don't go that often anymore. You um, maker. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, we were doing a pan. I don't know what happened. I they would <laughs> never tell me. They told me that someone was offended by something that Jeff and I said in a panel that we were on. They wouldn't tell us what we said. They wouldn't tell us what panel it was. We only had like one panel together that week, and it was a Star Trek captain's panel. I don't think we could have said anything offensive. It's a horribly offensive panel. When we're talking about Star Trek, I mean, (laughs) he and I hold that in such reverence, there's no way that, you know. You could have mentioned like Luke or Chewie or something. Yeah, yeah, something (laughs) like that. Anyway, so they, they said we offended someone and we were no longer invited to be panelists anymore, at which point, um, it got just more and more, you know, we, we saw more and more of the, um, the bugs under the grass kind of thing, you know, bugs in the lawn kind of thing going on there. And we're like, you know what? I think we'll skip this year. And then it just became easier every year. Yeah. So we did quite a few of the Mm -hmm. first few years and we were on quite a few panels. In fact, I think my favorite panel to be on was the comic book code panel that we did. Yeah. And that was a good panel. The room was packed and Mm -hmm. it was interesting. And I think everybody had fun, but it was kind of the same thing with me. And then they went to that thing where you had to start applying basically. (laughs) So you would give your idea and say why you would be good at it uh, or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we did that, and everybody else got on the panel but me, so Josh and Chris and everybody else, but mm-hmm. I didn't get picked, and it's like, yeah, but we're a team. What we're, we're, we're a team of people, yeah. So for me, that kind of... That, that was that kind of the end, end like, point there. Yeah. Sorry, clearly I, I do like to rub... I like to exfoliate a little salt in your scar. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. I don't... I really am not... I wasn't broken hard about that one. What I was broken hard about was I was actually thinking of trying to get to New York Comic Con this year. Because mm. last year, Greg went to New York Comic Con, showed some of his portfolio to a couple of small press publishers, and they said, get us pages. We got the pages done. I sent them to them and got ghosted. Got Didn't get a word back because I think they're afraid that we won't get our book done, yeah. which is which is a real concern, completely yeah. fair. And so we're going to get – so the plan now is to get our book done. But I wanted to go and pull a Jim Butcher and schmooze the publishers – Get, let them get to know me, and then that way, when I do send it in, I'll have a personal connection. They they'll they'll take me a little more seriously. But New York Comic Con's not happening, so I don't think. Yeah, and San Diego didn't happen, yeah. so um, we're just we're just we're just playing it by ear. We're punting this year, but we'll we'll do. I'll do New York next year. I should have six issues done by next year, so that'll be good. It'll be good. So one more question for you, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll let you plug all the million things that you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not busy at all. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you've you, made a life here in Utah. You're born here, raised here, mm-hmm. grew up here, and stayed here. Yep. Um, what's the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your lifetime here? They're liberals here. <laughs> that was probably the most unique, and it, I thought I was alone <laughs> for the longest time. I remember... Uh, when Jimmy Carter was uh, running for president uh, in 1976, and uh, the teacher wanted to give a lesson on that, so she had me get up and be Jimmy Carter, because my last name was Carter, and then she had another guy get up uh, to be Ford, and she said, so what do you promise? And and the Ford guy said, you're going to work. You're going to work all day. And I said, uh, well, you'd get recess all day. And I thought, well, that'll get me. And everybody, she's like, okay, who do you vote for? And everybody's yelling, oh, the whole class yelling, Ford, Ford. And I was like, wow, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> really, the best thing about Carter was his brother, Billy. Yeah, well, Billy was awesome. But anyway, I and after it was over, um, and then you know, with Reagan and everything, I was like, just the way everybody just lapped up all that, I was like, wow, I am the only liberal in Utah. And then I finally went and go to college. I find a few, a handful of like-minded people, if you will, and a few people who didn't care about politics but were interested in talking to me about it and then got on my side. Um, some have since reverted back. I don't know what ha- I don't know where I went wrong. <laughs> I tried to raise them right, but, you know, I failed as a parent. <laughs> Um, but anyway, and then, but then the more I've, the more I've worked, the more I've, I've, uh, gone around this state, the more people I've met, the more, uh, the more I'm happy to find some people who don't mind kicking back with a beer and, and, uh, talking shit about Trump. <laughs> There's a lot of people that'll talk shit about Trump. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was, uh, somebody was, somebody was slagging on us on, uh, on my, um, Clan uh, MacArthur website, or Clan MacArthur chat group was slagging on us Americans and about our, you know, how we got our this terrible president and everything. I said, hey, no need to be rude and call names. We all know our president's an asshole. It's just some of us, some, some, it's unfortunate that some Americans don't see that as a disadvantage. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. So, where can everyone find all the different things that you do? Oh, you can just go right to jccarter.info and all of that is right there. Um, jccarter.info is where is sort of my my portal, my gateway out to everything. Um, if you want to find uh, the the world's greatest comic book podcast, you go to the comicbookpodcast.com, and uh, you can also find us on 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, you can go to theleftshow.com, uh, and that's where we have the Left Show episodes, but you can also find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. We haven't gotten the comic book podcast on Spotify. There's something weird about how we're doing things that they don't, like they, they don't want us. It took us a long time to get on Spotify, actually. Yeah, so, But we do have the Left Show on Spotify. Uh, Shaolin Nun is on, the, is on com, and... Uh, that's uh, sort of going to be the the landing page for everything that and, we're doing, and people can still buy books even though the Kickstarter's over. Uh, we're going to set that up through back in in a, in a little while. Um, I haven't done that yet because I want to get up to where I've I want to get the backers taken care of, and then once we're moving forward, I also want to I don't want to sell things to anybody but backers until I know for sure I'm not going to get a publisher. Because if I can get a publisher, then I want the publisher to sell to people, and then I don't have to work so hard. Right. Yeah. It's good. It's a good thought. They're the ones who've got to work that hard. Um, so with six issues under your belt, you can go to Image Comics um, if you're willing to take a $10,000 debt when you walk in, because they say, you now owe us $10,000. Hope your sales go well. <laughs> um, I can go, I could take it to Dark Horse. They're a little easier to work with. I can take it to some of the smaller press ones like Action Lab or Scout. Um, I'm interested in both of those because they are still taking open solicitations. So I'm going to go to those guys first, see if I can't get it published directly. Um, I may even just run it through Comixology because they have a, a window for that uh, now. In fact, I've been pimping Chris to get on Comixology with everything he's doing because I'm like, dude, it opens up your audience yep. um, to everyone. Even even if everybody thinks you're just a Utah comic book, you're going to open up your audience with Comixology. And then with Comixology, like, Next month, Dark Horse is going to publish like six different books that were on Comixology first. They were Comixology first books. Oh, that's awesome. So they will actually be published as as physical comic books you can collect and buy and trade and and sell for you know less than you paid for them later on. Because the the whole the whole collectors industry is very small now. It's not like it was. We ru- we we ruined it once. We said, hey, you can make money selling comic books. Oh yeah, just like when we said you can make money, uh, you know, you know, back in mortgages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can ruin things so fast just by telling people you can make money doing this. <laughs> well, JC, thanks for uh, coming on the show with us and having a chat. Oh, I appreciate, really appreciate it. I always like being a guest instead of a host. It's easier to just talk about myself than. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who am I kidding? On my podcast, I always talk about myself. <laughs> yeah, that's why people like podcasts. Exactly. Too. We all talk about ourselves. It's more personal than the fake, hey, you're listening to this radio station. <laughs> this is even my real voice. It's what I put on. I love fake radio voices. They're my favorite. <laughs> Thanks again to J.C. Carter. Uh, of we'll have whole, to get him back just to talk politics. Uh, yeah. I, Maybe closer to the election. <laughs> yeah, it might be worth it. That would be fun. Maybe we can get him and, and, yeah. and Jay and Belda to both come on the show. That would be awesome. Maybe they'll have us go on their show or something. He do we do pre brother. or post election? He prefers Brother Bell. Brother Bell? That's, <laughs> I don't know. I've met him in person like once at Chris's birthday party years ago. Um, the one where everybody got outrageously sick. <laughs> fucking idiots got so drunk and all those themselves in the master bedroom. All those girls who'd never even drunk before and they brought all that alcohol. Puking on everything. Yeah, I felt so bad for Joe. Yeah, that was horrible. That was so <laughs> fucking bad. Yes, that party. <laughs> yeah, that, that party. That's where I met him at. Um, but uh, just briefly, um, but his podcast is pretty good. So J.C. Carter again is on The Left Show. 
on, um, I, I still want to call it Hold 322. I really like that name. So it's been forever. The world's greatest. The world's greatest comic book podcast. And I, look, Hold 322 is actually a really cool name because it is so inside, but I totally mm-hmm. get why you would change it because the world's greatest comic book podcast is quite possibly the best name ever for a comic book podcast. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, uh, thanks to him and, um, you know, be on the lookout for when he kickstarts Shallon Nun, uh, issue two, uh, once he gets issue one done. Uh, they'll move right into issue two, uh, hopefully uh, with some some nice stuff, and he'll let us know when it happens, and we'll we'll promote him here for for that. So, uh, if you uh, want to get a hold of us, uh, all the social medias we're at TNU Podcast. Uh, TheNewUtah.com is our website. What, Bree? You're gonna say something? I just wanted I was wanted to observe something earlier, and I'm just not feeling so great, and I just thought of it, but I I have managed to create. Daughters that are uh, both entered into sororities. Oh I yeah, that's right. She got into a sorority. At the not year. a sorority girl by any any means, and now both of my daughters are sorority girls. So you fucking stuck. Up what the heck? Did, <laughs> it's, it's just a little weird. It's just a little odd that I have sorority girl children. But so I don't know what else to say for the night. So stay grounded. Stay grounded. Yeah, literally with all the wind. Don't blow away. Don't blow away. So I don't know. Grounded. It could be windy when they listen to this someday. Um, I don't know. Probably you're going to have to fix some shit on your house, um, is my guess. My new roof's holding up like a fucking chip. Oh, I know. I don't think even one shingle even moved. I'm pretty sure all of our shingles would have been off <laughs> this happened a year ago. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, share the episode. Uh, if you, if you, uh, I don't fuck, if you got this far, Either you're a narcissist, um, or a narcissist. Is that what people no. like pain? What's that nihilist? Who likes no. to <laughs> who likes to inflict pain on themselves? I don't remember. Uh, it's a sadist. A sadist. So either you're a sadist or you enjoyed the show, uh, and in either case, just go ahead and share the show because if you're a sadist and it was painful, you probably have some sadist friends, <laughs> and they'll probably enjoy the show too. So please share it.